You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Welcome to the Antler Up Podcast brought to you by Tethered, the world's best saddle hunting equipment, and we have a fun show for you all today. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Antler Up Podcast. We're on episode 202, and on this week's episode, I was joined by two PA brothers, Andrew and Doug Hegel. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation with these dudes, and Andrew owns Hegel Taxidermy out of Lebanon and Lancaster County. Doug, on the other hand, owns Hegel Design Company, where he does logo design, branding, and illustrations, just some really remarkable stuff. And both are extremely talented individuals and avid hunters. And we really had a fun conversation about building their brands and growing as hunters. Just a straight up fun conversation. And man, I really enjoyed these guys just talking about like their passion, everything that they have going on. And, and we led things off by talking about how Andrew and Doug got into hunting since they really had a unique experience and came uh, into it in their teenage years uh we had we get some fun hunting conversations going and one that i found really interesting was hearing from andrew about when business picks up for him at his taxidermy he shares how he correlates this success with a bunch of hunters coming in at once basically uh to weather and just other you know things etc you name it uh, Doug then shares uh, really the improvements that he's made regarding his mobile setup and trying to get his first PA buck uh, this year, which at the time of recording, he did not. But at the time of recording this intro, he did. And what a deer it was for him during archery season. So really kudos to him. I was super pumped uh, when when he shot that buck. So again, we get into these topics and a whole lot more during this episode uh, just just want to say, uh, you know, thanks to these guys for coming on. I really hope you guys enjoy this conversation and enjoy the podcast. And if you do, share it. Share it with friends, family. Really appreciate all the support that you have given me uh, and, and everybody over the last three and a half plus years. And just want to say thanks for that. And I hope you had a great Thanksgiving leading up to the, the holiday season with Christmas and everything. Just real quick, I do have a... Another limited batch of the coffee coming through. So if you want to get a coffee, a bag of coffee as a gift for someone or for yourself, just hit me up on Instagram or on Facebook Messenger. I'll be more than happy to get that out to you. And those of you that have purchased it already, really appreciate it. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Really means a lot. So thank you. And we'll see you next week, everybody. Antler up. Tethered is a team of saddle hunting fanatics with a passionate addiction to whitetail hunting. Designing and engineering products to be a more efficient and confident hunter, Tethered produces the most mobile, stealthy, and safest elevated hunting gear on the planet. Built by saddle hunters for the saddle hunter. Head over to tethernation.com to see for yourself what exactly I'm talking about. America's Best Bowstrings has been manufacturing high-quality custom bowstrings in the USA since 2006. 
America's Best Bowstring strives on the commitment to never end the search for perfection, and this has been the driving force behind the company. Innovative products for every archer out there. Go create a custom set today at americasbestbowstrings.com. And a special code is made for our listeners of the Antler Up podcast for America's Best Bowstrings. Use code ANTLERUP and you will save $10 off your order. Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly intuitive and science-based products that saves the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. You have deer prediction, journaling, and the best maps on any hunting app platform there is. Use code ANTLERUP to save 20% off your Spartan Forge membership at spartanforge.ai. Hey everybody, before we get into this week's episode, I want to share some exciting news. The Exodus crew is now launching the Exodus Vault. It's a place to lock in significant savings on their website over at exodusoutdoorgear.com. Exodus Vault will feature some of your favorite products or Exodus gear you haven't considered checking out. Varying from limited run products to last chance savings on customer favorite products, which is one of the Exodus Render, where you could save $95 on one while supplies last because once they're gone, they're gone. I've had nothing but amazing experiences with the Render. I have two of them, and I'll tell you what, phenomenal photos, phenomenal videos at a great data plan price. No glow flash. The Render will provide critical real-time data right now for you that you need. And again, once they're gone, they're gone. It stood the test of time with thousands and thousands of hunters out there. So again, the final opportunity to purchase this render, but you could get also some second chance arrows, or you could also get a memory card holder. And real quick, there is no additional coupons that will be allowed to put on this, but to show your support for the Antler Up podcast, go ahead and put Antler Up in your order notes. That will just show that you heard it from me and it'll help me out with, with those guys as well. So Definitely check out the Exodus Vault because, again, some great savings on some phenomenal gear because once they're gone, it's gone. So check it out over at ExodusOutdoorGear.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show this week. I'm joined by two PA guys. We have Doug and Andrew Hegel on the show from Hegel Design Company and Hegel Taxidermy. Fellas, Appreciate you coming on. We're, I'm excited for this chat. It's, uh, you know, from afar, seeing what you guys are doing, I'm super excited to put put this at one out there and talk about, like, what you guys got going on because it's really interesting stuff. So pleasure to have you on. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having us. Um, my brother and I, we've been working up some cool stuff uh, through the years, and it's really starting to come into its own. So we're looking to keep spreading that and getting more people um connected with what we're doing yeah i mean we've gone so many different routes just figuring out our businesses and <laughs> i think all those routes are finally kind of creating what we've always wanted but yeah kind of just like hunting a big buck yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know it's it's funny though because i, I and i want to really hear your perspective on this it's especially for you, Doug, like you, with you doing the drawing, designing and, and the artwork type of ordeal. And then obviously like, like Andrew, you doing your thing with the taxidermy stuff to do something that you're that as a job, but also that you're extremely passionate about, you know, that also takes a lot of number one, I think courage, but also, uh, like patience in a sense, because it, it I don't know, like I, 
know there's thousands of individuals that would be like that love hunting, right? As much as we do or, or more that would die to, to work and do something in the outdoor type of industry or outdoor space, basically. But when it becomes your job, there could be some, I guess, love lust that, that you lose a little bit, you know? So to do what you guys are doing, I, I give you kudos to it. And I'm excited to hear your take on it and like what that journey has been like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's why we want to start connecting with more people about how we do this because there's been so much kind of trial and error to get here that Andrew and I always wanted to kind of show people more how you can do this for yourself. But with that trial and error, it's so many ups and downs that like trying that to find that, you know, amount of time that it takes for us to go out and film different things and do all that side stuff as we grow startup businesses, I think, as a whole, I'm in year five, Andrew, what you full time. Yeah, six. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Six. So like, yeah, it's been, it's been a process, but I think like Andrew said, we're starting to hit a point like where it's coming together. It really has to be part of your life. Yeah. yeah. You can't, can't try and go different ways. And I don't know, you know, how like you can't be fully into this kind of work, trying to be in the outdoors all the time, and then also be doing something else. I don't know. I just <laughs> have to love it and just want it all the time. Yeah. So that brings up a really good situation, like myself, right? I, I, I mean, there's obviously I'm a teacher. I teach health and phys ed. I've been doing it now for nine years. I've been doing now the podcast thing. This will be coming up to year four. And I love it, right? I love getting a chance to talk to individuals like yourself. I love working with, with companies and brands and doing also like a creative outlet for myself with creating videos and, and doing a better, better job with photography and learning that. Like I remember looking back three years ago at some of my first photos with just my phone. And then I got my first DSLR camera and just learning and growing. And there's, I feel like there's still an endless opportunity for me to continue to grow with that aspect of things. I still think I don't know jack shit with it. So it's like, and people kept saying, you know, if you be consistent and it's usually around year four or five, when you continue to find that niche or whatever, that's when you start seeing that, I guess, consistent uh, buy-in or you find your, your rhythm. And that's honestly where I feel like I'm at. And I still feel like even though it's year four and things are being have been a lot more stable and more exciting. I still feel like I'm still scratching the surface, right? Like I'm still excited to continue to grow and learn and develop, you know? So with you guys being on that, like year five, year six, I, I would assume you guys feel that same way. I definitely agree with you there with like that four or five year kind of thing. Just finding that rhythm is that's yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's why we wanted to start this when we did, cause I started my business, I quit my job, went off full time. I was 25. I think you were probably about 23, 24. Yeah. And <clears throat> we wanted to take all that time, you know, to be able to mold this because yeah. it really does. It, it can take a lot. Some people, it, it can happen quicker depending on what your experiences are and what kind of things you've been doing in the past. Right. Um, but like you were saying, like, once you do get that momentum, like, holy crap, like it's just, it's just second hat in nature. And then that's where you can start adding more things into the scope and keep building it into, you know, what a, a 
even bigger end goal than where you're currently at stands. Right, right. So let's do this, boys. Let's do kind of like I guess a little quick introduction of like where you where you guys were coming from as far as like where you're at now, but also like, how'd you get here? Right. Like what was your upbringing like? Did you get, you know, always we're into this outdoor and, you know, I guess talk a little bit about that to, uh, you know, what led you to this passion of, of working in that outdoor space and doing something like that, that you love. Andrew's been in the outdoors more, so I'll let him back jump on go. quicker. Yeah, how back can this go? How far back? <laughs> hey, man, whatever, you know, like talk about, I guess, what your upbringing a little bit, like with the hunting yeah. aspect of things and, you know, what what led you down that down your path, dude? I guess just as kids, like going back, our dad would always take us on some kind of adventure, you know, whether it was canoeing for a three-day trip or whatnot. That's awesome. And just fishing usually then. We weren't our dad wasn't really a hunter. We didn't really have many people in the family that were hunters. And uh, it wasn't really until I was in middle school where like I was seeing all these kids come to that age, other kids, you know, living on the farms and stuff, shooting deer. And I was like, I knew nothing about it, but I was like, I need to do that. And we we even went to like where we're from. And this might be the same as where you're from too, is we have off the first Monday of rifle season and we would come back and all these kids that lived on the farms would be telling us all these crazy stories. And we're just like, Oh man, we missed out. (laughs) But it's funny though. I think about this a lot. Like I feel like that's not even, I feel like that's almost like in our blood. Like, Mm -hmm. cause half, like a lot of other kids at that age don't care about it at all. Like, like, I don't know why we cared about, like, yeah, going to. I don't know, but now it's just like, we're full force going into it, but, um, I guess that's going a little off topic. Yeah. No, but, no, that's all right. But it was interesting though, like as kids, cause our dad had never hunted. He, our dad actually took his hunter safety course with us. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so, and that was when it was in person. So we went, you know, down the road to the local place and yeah. took the tests, but, um, yeah, and then, like, none of us knew what the heck we were getting into. I was 16. I think Andrew was 14. And we would just go into the woods, I think. I think the first time Andrew and I went out, we thought tree stands were just set up in the trees. So we, <laughs> Andrew and I found this tree stand on our first morning. We're sitting up there. We could see this guy walk up there like, what are you doing? And we're just two kids. So yeah. scared because this guy's, like, kicking, it up, kicking and us like, out of his stand. It's dark. It's like 25 degrees like we never had we had we went to kmart every like night before like literally like for the first few years it was like we would go to kmart and get like whatever hunting camo was left uh-huh. and we would go out there and like just blindly go into some public land and only see deer that were getting pushed around and yeah. it was just a, it was a whirlwind for us for a few years so t- so going back to to all that and, and telling your your friends that we're knocking down deer on their farm they're probably like what in the hell are you guys doing <laughs> it was pretty crazy yeah we just basically moseyed around in the dark for a while yeah. and then um and then you know our dad we had a lot of energy so our dad would just kind of let us go off and Andrew and I had no clue what we were doing. We just sit somewhere and then move every 30 minutes because we got bored and definitely no strategy. So that's that's actually kind of good, though, when you think about it. You learn probably off of so many mistakes that you've probably made. You know, when when at what age do you think like what? Oh, well, let me ask you guys this. When did you kill your first deer? Uh, I was about 
2017. Okay. So it was years after we started hunting. And we, we strictly, the whole time I was in high school, only ever hunted uh, public land. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was my first deer. It was just a, a little yearling. <laughs> How about you, Doug? So I actually got away from hunting for about six years. Um, going from that style of hunting, from not having really anybody to mentor me, um, I there were no, I saw no deer. I didn't even like aim at a deer for like five years. And then there was a point where like, I was like, man, like there's so much food options out there. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what's the point? So I got away from it as I was like, younger trying to get my career started and you're moving into the city and stuff. yeah I, I moved into i lived in philly for a little bit and then just the ideas about food like completely changed and then also andrew was in the marines that whole entire time so you know i i didn't have any person anyone that was a friend or any influence that was getting out there pushing me to be out there so it just kind of fell off and then once andrew came back you know he was figuring out how to hunt when he was in North Carolina on his own. And then he came back and started knocking down bucks. And I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta get back into this. And then that's, that's where I got into archery. And then the first year I did it, I, I didn't harvest a deer, but then the second year I was 26 and that's, I, I got a doe. Um, manager was actually with me that time. So that's cool. Um, yeah, I've been, pretty much obsessed with it ever since i I feel like if you if anybody and i I mean i obviously everybody's uh different and and your experience is different but i'll tell you what like your first deer with a bow has to it it leaves like something in us it changes you like where like you just said doug it makes you like obsessed and it it, something about it man and and i i know at times people could take this crap way too far, right? Like I I've, I'm guilty of that even in, in the last couple of years, obviously trying to get this thing going, but it does change you, man. What, when you bow hunt and it becomes that, I don't I guess it becomes some type of lifestyle, but it changes you a little bit in a good way. Uh, I just love it. And to know that you have to get within 35 yards or less. And, you know, obviously the closer, the better to get a good, great shot off or wherever you're shooting. And man, it's just, just, nothing like it yeah yeah Uh, and that's that's i think one of the things that kind of pulled me away because i would only do rifle and then at that point deer are it's just the luck of the draw almost especially on public land so once you know i i figured out like how much time you have with the archery did that like i've actually only ever have killed deer in archery i've never shot a deer with a rifle before Um, it, it is such an unreal experience to have that that patience to just watch them come in and it's just like a, such a visceral experience. You're yeah. so connected. Yeah. You start really paying attention to the fine details of everything happening. Yeah. You don't re- dude, you don't realize you said the dude, Andrew, you hit the nail on the head with that one. Like the fine, the, the fine and new details dude are like what causes you to either have a great hunt or a complete disaster hunt. Yeah. I mean, it even like goes into your everyday life. You start thinking more like a deer and like the (laughs) things you do, like after a really crazy hunt, like just coming home and then like going into work the next day or something. Like you're just, your head's always in it and you're like, I don't know. 
you yeah. do you do weird things and you're like why am i doing that like i'm not in a tree stand <laughs> <laughs> that's funny well, well let me ask you guys this so you 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 come up you're doing it you're like doug you get back into things uh, uh andrew you come back from from uh serving our country and doing amazing things uh, and killing some bucks from down south you come up and you're hunting out with with doug and doing all kinds of things now what led you guys to go down the path that you're currently on Oof. um but I think, I mean, a big influence was to make more time for us to hunt. Yeah. Like we wanted to make lifestyle, like we love pushing public land. And if we could figure out a way to work the weekends and hunt during the week, like that's, that's the way to do it almost. Yeah. And, when we first got started, I was, you know, I went and trained doing taxidermy a little bit with a, uh, a guy up in the Poconos. Okay. And then I was also working part-time. Uh, so doing that part-time stuff, I was just like, man, I could be focusing all this time into my own business. I need to get out of here so I can work on my own business and also hunt. Like when, yeah. I, when, when I want to be out there and not just on Saturdays. Yeah. So that kind of, that's kind of how it went for me, but then, like we said, Doug moved back from Philly and after that happened and he was trying to get back into hunting, we just kind of collided there and yeah, it's just lined up and it is crazy. Cause when we were kids, Andrew and I, we really couldn't have been more different. Like I was into video games and playing sports and watching the Eagles and Andrew, I can't even name the amount of times that he watched an Eagles game with me or like, like just he was outdoors or I'd look out the window and he's forging knives with a hair dryer and a 12 foot flame coming out of it. about ready to blow up. Like yeah. we're just so different. And, you know, we still have, we're still really different, but we've collided in this scope of deer hunting that has just, kind of i don't know I, it, it it has changed pretty much every aspect of our lives like andrew said it's something that like the mindset of a hunter starts translating to so many different things i think that's why we've become so connected with it because it's showed us so much um not just from hunting just sitting in nature yeah that's i never cool. would have expected doug to like be at this point with deer hunting from where we were as kids like <laughs> yeah it's crazy Take the guesswork out of building your own arrows for this upcoming season by ordering a custom set of arrows from Exodus Outdoor Gear. They have developed and sourced literally the most precise archery components on earth to build a tailored arrow for your hunting adventures. Just head over to Exodus's website and plug in your specifications in the arrow builder and have your custom set sent straight to your door. You have two arrows to choose from. One being the MMT arrow, which is a 246 diameter shaft, and the new NIS, which is a 204 diameter shaft arrow. Use code AU to save 15% off your tailored arrow order at exodusoutdoorgear.com. All right, well, then you call them out then, Andrew. Give, give me a fun, a funny story that, that Doug's done when it comes to, to hunting, especially early on, I guess. When it comes to hunting? Um, hmm. I mean, really just when we started just scouting and everything, like at that point I was, you know, I, I thought I knew a lot then, which I know a lot more now, but 
I still knew a lot more than Doug at that point. And just seeing him do certain things, I'm like, oh, like grinding my teeth. Like, like, pick your feet up. Like, like just be better. <laughs> just be better. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. I like That's- that. That's I can be a little rough sometimes. That's all right. That's all right. So uh, here's what I do want to ask you. Have you guys ever doubled up? No. No? Never. Okay. No. Okay. That would have been really cool. Like, oh, man, I got back into it. and. All right. Yeah, we have killed deer last year in Ohio on yeah. the same day. Not yeah. the same sit, but. Same, same day, same tree stand. Well, um, we're, Yeah. We were in Seattle, yeah, but. Andrew got, it was our last day in Ohio. Andrew shot a buck in the morning that I was across the valley, which I heard die, which was crazy. I, it let out its last breath and it was insane. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then that afternoon there was some does that it was going after in there. And there was the last absolute sit that I was going to have in Ohio that year. And i was like all right i'm just gonna fill my tag and it was kind of cool to both kill deer on the same day it, it, it turns out it turns into a, an intense day i don't know if you've ever been or experienced anything like that but all that processing is it's a lot especially <laughs> when you're camping like we're on public land in ohio camping out just making sure you have all that ice and just something to get the meat cold because that's that week was 80 degrees yeah. during the rut and it was rough. Yeah. Yeah. That was a hard go for it the whole week. Um, but yeah, I mean, not only that, just the ups and downs of the, of every part of once you make that shot, like a lethal shot, it is, it's just a roller coaster for one deer to add two deer to that mix. Um, yeah, we're, we're up so late and you're just running on pure adrenaline. <laughs> yeah. Big public land hunter, uh, hunters. And over the last couple of years, we've seen a huge growth in, in mobile gear and all that type of stuff, you know, from where you guys started to where you are at now with that aspect of things, you know, what, what style are you classifying yourself at? Like, do you like to bounce around a lot? Do you, what kind of gear are you using? What have you found that helps? What have you found that is like, wow, this was such a gimmick or, or long, anything along those lines, cumbersome. And what, what, uh, what's that look like for you guys now when it comes to like your gear setup with all that? I'll start just cause mine was so atrocious to begin yeah. with. <laughs> but, so for the first two years, um, I was, I was starting a business. So like funds are tight. And then my experience with hunting was very limited. So I was just taking on any gear that I could find, like that my family had or anything I could find cheap. So like I would classify it as just the bulky beginner that was carrying around a 15 year old climber and a crossbow. I was running up the hills and Doug was at the bottom (laughs) out of shape. I mean, he was in shape just like I, I ran a half marathon that year. And like, I, I couldn't even, it was just so exhausting. You wore all your layers walking in, like, yeah. <laughs> so overheated. It was crazy. Um, yeah. So it was, everything about it was loud, bulky. You're getting caught on branches. Um, and Andrew's always been, he's always been up to date since I've started hunting with him. And like, I'm always trying to find the lightest thing, really. Yeah. I mean, within reason of how much it costs really but uh yeah i'm right now i'm just running some sticks some climbing sticks that i uh 
kind of modified a little bit and added things and did all that. So they're pretty lightweight. And, yeah. And then I'm running a saddle. So that's lightweight as well. I don't know. I've talked to other guys about saddles and I, I haven't found my comfort level yet in that, but what kind of, here. what kind of saddle are, are you running right now? I have a tethered, uh, phantom. Okay. So what, well, that's kind of like, that's my bread and butter. You know what I mean? So what's, yeah. you know, where, where are you experiencing? Like, I guess like maybe a little bit of discomfort or where are you like, oh, man, I just can't figure this point out. Yeah. So I was running the John Eberhardt signature saddle. Okay. Which is what I'm using now. Yeah. And then now I have that one, which is, I feel a little more comfortable because it's just easier with a single panel to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just feeling like my, my lower back's always sore and my legs are tight. So, right. So I would say, I mean, I'm sure you messed around with obviously like different angles as far as like your tether height and, and like your length of your bridge and comfort channels and all that. I mean, I'm not going to sit here. I mean, obviously tethered is, you know, phenomenal friends of mine and just great supporters of what I've been doing over the last couple of years. But you know, the one thing that I will say you, <laughs> especially early on, I do get sore. And the reason why, and I, re, I remember Greg Godfrey saying at one point in time, and I, I truly believe this is like, you almost have to be in saddle shape. Like, like where, like how you just said, like your lower back needs to be strengthened up a little bit. Your legs need to have a little bit of strength to them as well. But I'll tell you what, man, like once I found where I like my bridge, how I like my, my tether height and the distance of all different things. And Nate Sellers from Average Jack Archery, he has a great video on his YouTube where he talks about angles. Like it's all about like you, like I'm horrible with math, but if you could get on certain angles, especially with like with your, your setup, like you should be pretty solid and, and, and comfortable for a very long time. Like I remember the first time someone asked me, have you had your first all day seat yet? And I, I said, no. And they're like, good luck. <laughs> you know, like you're, you're screwed. Yeah. And you know, obviously there's the back band and there's other things like that. I mean, I do move, uh, I, I sit, I would say more than I lean just because I like being tight to the tree. And I like if a deer randomly walks up to me in a certain situation that my knees already in the tree and I can maneuver if it's from a strong side or turning more to like, at least to my, uh, what would I call that? If the tree's 12 o'clock, that would be like more of my three or four o'clock. I could probably get to without having to do a uh, weak side type shot. And I don't know, man, I, I just feel like if with being close like that and sitting more, I'm more connected, right? I just, that's where I find the most comfort. When I lean, I do feel like, you have, obviously for a longer period of time, my back will get a little bit sore. But again, I throw that back band on uh, and it relieves a little bit of pressure. And then also, if you have any type of soreness in your legs, especially if you sit for a little bit of longer time, move that back band and put it underneath your hamstrings and pull it up. So it's like relieving your your legs from the the platform a little bit. And that, that will relieve a, a little bit of tension as well. That's why I originally got the, the ESS saddle with the, the two, the two panels. Mm-hmm. So I can move those panels around, but, uh, it just, I mean, I'm all of these saddles are good. Yeah. I'm just getting nitpicky, I guess. But. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like once you, fi- like once you find, like I said, your comfort zone and where you like specific, uh, like I said, your, your tether height, your comfort channels, all that jazz. Once you find what really gets 
gets you where you want to be and, and like to be, then it's just become second nature and you're, you're good to go. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I personally think it might be more, more than just a saddle, you know, I, I get a lot of back pain, I think just from after the Marine Corps hiking around a lot with a lot of weight on my, on my back and all that and doing taxidermy also like on your feet. Some stuff can, yeah, some stuff can put a strain on it. So I go from doing that all day and then do an evening sit, you know, it, nothing's going to make my back better <laughs> other than sleep. But. So now Doug, you're using the saddle, you're using his old, uh, ESS one. How, how are you finding that adjustment into the saddle world? How long have you been doing it now? This is my first year doing it. Um, and luckily going into this year, um, and this is the biggest change I think for both of Andrew and my hunting season this year is like we really had everything dialed in as much as we possibly could more so than any other year i'd say almost like three times more nice. dialed in and so i got to practice with it i'm still just just getting set up in the dark and, and stuff like that and then like making sure like my components are where they need to be like that's what i'm still like kind of working with but I honestly, I, I really love it. I haven't had any discomfort. The only thing that I've realized is how much colder your back is once you're sitting out and hung from a tree like that. So that's the biggest thing I'm trying to figure out. But um, I'm going to start bringing my puffy vest with me. It's just like my back gets so cold. I feel like <laughs> and then my legs start shaking. Uh, anything else as far as like well, you just said you're dialing in your gear? What else do you feel really good about or anything trying to you know, anything you, you honed in on or improved on or trying anything else for this year? Um, Andrew and I have never really been too obsessed with scent control, more so just say. like playing the wind. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. this year we've kind of had, we wear as little as we can in. And then if we end up sweating, we put, we take that off and then we carry in like a heavier set of clothes to change into when we're, I'd say about 200 to 150 yards away from our stand and get that in like a nice concealed, um, the clothes that we were wearing into a nice concealed bag. Um, and just trying to limit that as much as possible. We've also, um, just, yeah, yeah, really, really just scent control. Um, and then just trying to get, stuff on our gear that keeps it as quiet as possible because the more minimal you go, it's like the more metal I feel like is around. So it's like stealth stripping everything Yeah, with the carabiners and yeah. You don't realize like, ah, I'll be fine without stealth stripping that sucker. And then the next thing you know, you're on your first hunt or whatever hunt after you tell that in your mind and then it clanks against something and you're like, Oh my gosh, what, yeah. like, what did I just do? What do you guys got going on for, for this year? What's your kind of, you know, when it comes to, archery season when it comes to rifle season like what are you guys uh mapping out for this year the biggest thing is i gotta get my first mature buck i've never killed one um and that i think is like i'd say goal number one andrew's got a little bit of emphasis behind the two because he's tired of me not pulling one out of there so um he, he's he's pushing me um that's goal number one Andrew, he, he's definitely quite a few steps ahead of me, so his is always interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's not that interesting. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'm always looking for a mature buck, but here in Pennsylvania, like, 
you got to kind of. You can't go out expecting the biggest year, you know? Yeah. Like, so, I mean, I, I really want Doug to kill a, a decent buck this year, but I don't want him to wait too long. But hey, I just, he, he wants me to get antlers on the ground, but uh, I don't know. I, I've just waited this long. I I feel like I could keep going. I just want to get something nice, you know? Do you have any prospects? We, we do. Um, we... I mean, that's another difference for this year. We've never used cell cams before, so we've been using those this year. Um, and, yeah, we've got some spots that we're really excited about. Um, I, there's not too many bucks that keep showing up. We That's had... our hardest thing with public land in Pennsylvania, like I think I mentioned before to you. Um, it's hard to find deer that are consistent yeah. and – are easy to pattern and just stay in the area because I mean, we're not in, I wouldn't say we're in big woods where we are in PA, mm -hmm. but some of the places we go to hunt are bigger woods and you know, everybody knows those deer kind of travel a lot more. Um, as far as prospects, we do have some deer that we've, we've had on camera multiple times. Mm -hmm. It's just, but though we, so we have about three places that we can hunt that we have access to on private and those three places combined, combined are probably about a total of four acres. <laughs> like they are the smallest little slivers. And those are the places where we see the consistent bucks. A little more than four acres, but <laughs> <laughs> it might be six, dude. If you think about it, it's, it, it's under 10. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, but I always tell people like, those small chunks of property I have, some of those I wouldn't trade up for a 20 to 30 acre piece because of just where they're at. The location's key. I feel like too, like those smaller pieces, you are, you're able to learn they're like, you know, it's, it's a double-edged sword with it. I think obviously you could learn the same amount of different things uh, with public land, but I feel like you're able to hone in on certain skill sets like your access, like how mm -hmm. are you going to manipulate that? Um, you know, obviously when it comes to the public land thing, you think you might have it done dialed in and you, you think you get in squeaky clean. And then next thing you know, it's someone from the whole other side or top of the mountain comes down and blows up your, your spot. You're like, well, where'd you just come from? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, I've, cause I've had that happen to me before. And, uh, and obviously when I go back home, the Northeast PA and I'm hunting on that private piece, I have trouble with like, okay, I know this is really the access spot. And really it's the only one that I have. Like there's not many other opportunities for me to go to a spot other than where I've been coming from. So it, it is a challenging uh, aspect of things, but on those smaller pieces like that, like I said, you, I feel like you have the opportunity to, to hone in on certain skill sets that you can't really hone in on maybe as quickly or uh, as quote unquote more patiently than you can on a smaller piece. Like, a, like, like what you just said. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, just due to that fact, it's just so nice because it's like every single time that you go in, you do it a very similar way, but it's like, you're better every single time. And like with public land, it's like Andrew and I are always adapt and you never know when you're going to see a cell cam pop up. If somebody finds one of those, like, like a really fresh scrape mm -hmm. or anything like that, like, um, it, it, there's so much adapting with those. So like those little slivers of land are just huge. And I mean, we've hunted those, each of those now for 
I'd say, I guess over five years now. And it's just, we know the ins and outs and that's with deer hunting is just so big. Yeah. Just being able to be confident in those ins and outs too, um, really keeps you in the game and just, yeah. yeah. And my, my goal, I guess for the season is just to like kill a decent public land buck. That's always kind of my goal. It's just hard when you have your, you know, encounters on these private lands that are just, you know, you can go in there and have a lot better opportunities. It just makes me, makes me want to get in there and do it on the private, but yeah, trying to just stick back with public land. And you said that for three years now, (laughs) (laughs) three years he's gone into the private and knocked the big one down. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I like I it. I'll hold you to that one. <laughs> there you go, Doug. So with these cell cameras, what was your? Where do you have them placed at? Are they on on scrapes? Are they on a specific terrain feature? What was your philosophy with with placing those in in whatever spot? Usually, I like to uh, try and stick to. If we're talking hill country, like almost benches coming out of a bedding area. Um, scrapes especially now because mm-hmm. i was we were just in at some cameras or hunting yesterday and i went and checked some cameras because a bear had actually found my one cell cam and was tossing it around a little bit but uh i noticed there's a lot of scrapes being hit right now and i don't know if it's with this little cold front or what but yeah. Well, that's a, that, that's a great topic about like the cold fronts. Like what's, you know, especially for, for you, Andrew, with being a taxidermist and, and people bringing you their, uh, you know, their deer and everything like that. What have you noticed over the last couple of years with cold fronts and especially like that first one? Yeah. So I noticed the same thing with my cameras. They were pretty dead with this cold front. I did not expect that. I was actually kind of thinking I would get a lot of deer in this week for taxidermy work because I was like, this cold front is coming in nice. And you know, it's still early October. Like there's going to be a lot of guys dropping off this week and it wasn't the case, yeah. um, which is fine. And we didn't see a lot of deer also. Yeah. I mean, the, the regular does and all that, but just maybe some year and a half old bucks. Um, but as far as <laughs> taxidermy work, like I definitely noticed it pick up. Like I'll get a, I'll get a chunk of people like all calling at the same time. Like, Hey, can I drop off the next guy? Oh, can I drop off today? It's, it's like, you know, I might get three drop offs one night or something. And then it'll be like dead for a week or something. Like, you know, yeah. you can definitely go and see when people are killing deer more. Have and you know how that affected, you know how that affected that book. Yeah. It's cool to see that coming from other places. Cause you know, I have people coming in, from public land and private land dropping off deer and it's awesome to see public land bucks being brought in here getting killed on public land that is really pressured around us are you looking to improve your hunts well look no further than using trophy tracks a hunter's journal enables hunters to maintain a record of hunting information in real time or post hunt including the date time location and weather conditions by using trophy tracks and integrating trail cam pictures hunters can identify patterns in animal activity over time helping them predict the best hunting opportunities. Utilizing trophy tracks, hunters can keep an unlimited number of journal entries, ranging from scouting trips to live hunt records, preserving each of their hunting experiences. And check it out over at trophytracks.com.
Yeah. Have you noticed like any, any key thing when it comes to that? Uh, like when you have a night of, holy cow, I got three to six people calling to drop off something or, you know, within the last two days I have eight deer being dropped off. Have you, was it a, you know, dare I say it, was it some type of moon phase, right? Was it, uh, uh, some type of, of, uh, front or have you ever really, dove in deep and, and got down and dirty with, with that as, as far as uh like piecing that puzzle together with things. Yeah. I mean, obviously when the rut comes, there's more deer bring, getting, being brought in. But as far as like just random, you know, the rut's really not happening yet. The cold fronts, but I honestly think Doug and I have talked about this. I feel like these cold fronts almost stun them that for that first day where they're like, okay, the deer might be thinking, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's a cold snap, but it's going to warm up here soon. So I'm just going to wait it out, wait it out. And they wait it out. And then the next day is cold too. And that's when they're like, okay, I've been sitting here for a while. I'm not moving too much. I'm still in my core area. I'm going to start picking up and moving because these deer then at that point, know that cold's there to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like if you get a cold front, you know, maybe it's four days long, I think your best bet, and I could be completely wrong, but I notice that it's like that second day, third day when they've been dealing with the cold for a few days, you know, it didn't just hit them and stun them. It's when they've been dealing with it and they want to get up then. I like that. What do you think, Doug? Yeah, I I mean, yeah, like I'm right on board. Andrew and I, and this is the coolest thing, is like him and I are just such good like teammates when it comes to this stuff. Yeah. Like with uh, with our differences and just our approaches, like we can really balance ideas off. So like, yeah, I fully agree with it. Um, I will say though, like you still got to get out on that first cold front if you can. (laughs) Like out of all of those things, it's more consistent on the second and third day. But that first one, like you don't know when that no, when the, the most that's the day when like the that lottery card comes in and yeah, you know you'll you'll stay home some of those times and then literally have one picture of a deer and it's a giant buck. Like you still don't know. So like if you can get out, you got to get out. Um, but like I would like if. Like if work was busy or something like that and I needed to move things around, I would be like, okay, I'm going to get out the second and third day. Um, I would be definitely more inclined to do that. So yeah. I'm yeah. I agree really with you. Agree. You can't pass it up. Yeah. But that's just uh, kind of something I've seen. Yeah. So I don't think it's talked about a lot. It's more like people see a cold front coming and it's like, get out. And which, like I said, I agree with, but. Yeah. A little bit more to be, you have to be a little bit more strategic with things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I agree with that because, and I think this first one got a lot of hype too, because of it. I I know why I feel like I know why (laughs) go for it. (laughs) So like, yes, it was that cold front. We did have it drop a lot because we had a warm week last week. Yeah. But we still had a South wind coming in. We were, we were getting cold, a cold front, but it was still south wind, kind of kind of heating up in the middle of the day. So it wasn't like you were getting our 40-degree mornings with a 50-degree day. We were getting 40-degree mornings with 70-degree day. So it was still getting warm during the day, and those deer weren't moving as much as we thought. 
Yeah. But yeah, it was definitely. Dope. I mean, I've, I, I've, with this being our first year with the cell cameras, I have really been shocked at the lack of deer movement in the last little bit. But mm-hmm. man, the um, best is yet to come, though. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. I like it. So, so another thing. So no, go for it, Andrew. With doing taxidermy, yeah. You know, sometimes you have a lot of guys bringing in deer early season, and I'm like, man, I need to get out there because yeah. these deer are being brought in, and I go out and I burn myself out day after day trying to <laughs> well, get on even, something. Not even like, that, just like social media. Like oh, I, yeah, saw, yeah. I saw these cold fronts coming in, and I saw numerous accounts where the people were just like on selfie camera being like cold front coming in you must get out and i'm like don't put that pressure on people like people are gonna literally take that serious and take off who knows what to get out there and i'm like get out when you can get out like yep don't I like a, i yeah. hate that the like, I put social a lot media gets crazy <laughs> once you see those big bucks coming in and then people start getting on trying to get their views up telling people to get out and motivating people to do this that or the other thing and it turns into just a bunch of crap at the end of the day and <laughs> it makes your head spin even more because people aren't even getting out for the right reasons exactly some people person they don't even know because somebody you know eight states away are telling them to yeah yeah and their their property is groomed to keep deer there and maneuver through it and and live there constantly exactly um, no, I, I agree with that to a T like, and I feel like the less, the least amount of pressure that I can bring out with me into the woods, the more flawless I am and present I am from start to finish. And those are my best hunts. Even if I don't see anything, I know that by the time I get up in my tree, like nothing's clinking, I'm paying attention to this. I'm paying attention to that. I'm not escaping anything that's out there. Um, I feel like for most people hunting is an escape, which is, which is fine. Mm -hmm. But when it continually becomes that, and it it has for me at certain points, I'm not out there to hunt. I'm out there to get away. And if you really do want results, you have to be so in tune with the hunt that that is all you are focused on. Like the more I'm thinking about, Oh, you know, this client, you know, didn't like what I did or this that I got declined for this or like all that stuff. You got to leave that at the door as much as possible. Um, and like the pressures of social media and trying to get a picture of a big buck on there and all that good stuff and results, like you got to figure out how to forget about all that stuff because the more that you can just be like, Holy cow, I'm so lucky that I get to wake up and just go on this line. Like that is where, the whole thing comes together. And even if you don't know exactly what you're doing out there to a T, you're not, you might not even be the best hunter. Like you can have that. I guarantee you'll have some sort of results or encounters. Like that's everything with hunting to me. Yeah. It's, it's a big mental game, especially when you're, you know, working that working your business and stuff, just keeping a clear mind. I'm trying to think so like, with your guys as both things kind of colliding and and doing what kind of plans do you have for for now for the future and 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 what do you guys got going on with it for for right now um andrew and my plan is to figure out how we can translate these wild experiences of hunting and then turn them into artwork and it's been 
so like I think about a week ago, we announced that we were going to try to do this. And it has been a little bit of a chore trying to figure out how to do that through media, how to do that through video, and then how to translate it from my artwork to something that Andrew can then make. Because Andrew's not only a taxidermist, he's like a really skilled, just handcrafter of wood, leather, everything. There's, I don't think there's a thing he couldn't make. Um, so like, we're trying to set it up. And then we also want to connect people that maybe not don't know that much about hunting because honestly, most of the people that do follow us, um, are not hunters. Um, or at least me, um, mm-hmm. Andrew has a lot of hunting buddies and stuff like that. Um, but we want to show people a more, um, I guess involved experience that isn't surrounded by the kill or just harvesting an animal. We just want to show people that this means more to us than that. And it's our whole lifestyle. And from start to finish, whether that, you know, from scouting to then getting out to our setups to our experiences. And then, you know, if we do get something down, walking it through that and how we got there and, and it might just be like a small thing that stood out to us. Like you said, that squirrel that's running around, yeah. that's all you see, but it, you know, it still makes you, makes you happy just to be out there and see that. Like it could be as simple as that squirrel influencing what we have next coming. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know what, what it would be, but for <laughs> me, it's just like when something stands out, that's what's going to, spark my next idea i'm not trying to put the pressure on myself to make it make the make it happen i guess right but more so let it naturally come in through our hunts and i think that's kind of why it's been so hard for us to keep up with this because we love sitting out there and trying to be as present as we possibly can to like add on the aspect of like pulling our phones out and recording something or thinking of an idea to bring home um the people that do content really good in the hunting world, like kudos to them because it's super difficult. Like, I mean, it's not like we're actors or like putting out (laughs) personalities or trying to be influencers or anything like that. So it's, it's definitely been a little bit, I'd say a, a challenge trying to keep that, trying to figure out how to go with it and then like bring that to life. Cause we do want to offer something that really isn't being offered um, in the outdoor scope and in the hunting world. I like that. And so let me ask you this, like, cause you were just talking about like the breakdown, even like, hell, you guys could even get into like recipes. Cause I know earlier too, Doug, like you were talking about like with the food aspect of things you offer that, um, like Andrew, like with your years of being in the taxidermy and everything like that, I'm sure you got some really good recipes, all that type of stuff too. Doug actually got me into, uh, cooking better okay i have always been very bad at cooking venison (laughs) and it wasn't until last year that doug really showed me what i'm doing wrong and all that and And it was so simple it was the easiest fix like i showed him two times how to cook and i came back the third time and he already had something prepared and it was phenomenal nice what would you show him what'd you show him doug honestly i would do the whole you know soak it in salt water kind of thing and let it, you know, soak overnight. And I was really just, I kind of took, I went away from that idea because Doug was like, just cook it as like 
natural as it is, like as it can be. Don't like try to do all these funky things. But when you're cooking it, and and I never like really overcooked it, but what would happen is I would let it dry out. I wouldn't take the time to add enough butter to it, which yeah. sounds bad, like adding all that butter. But it's lean meat. It needs that like that oil or butter to keep right. it from drying out. And that was the biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then like my most tried and true method for cooking backstrap or any type of steaks off the deer is I, and this has worked for me every time. And I just salt and pepper. And then I do a little, depending on what kind of meat I'm cooking, I'll put a little bit of like rosemary and thyme in the pan to get that little bit of nice hearty flavor to it. Um, and then, so I sear in a cast iron, I sear both sides for three minutes real high and then make sure that there's enough oil on the pan and then over top of it. And then with the cast iron, I throw it in the oven for nine minutes at 400 degrees, pull that thing out. And it's like the best thing ever. Um, I was trying to do it all without the oven and I was running into problems and I just tried the oven one time and like, it just gets that nice base around the outside and yeah. I, I haven't gone away from it. And that's, that's the same process I taught Andrew. And like, he's like, I, I, every single steak I've ever cooked up into this point tasted gamey. He's like, this just tastes like beef. Yeah, yeah that really did. Dude, I'm hoping a lot of you listening, it's mouths watering like mine is just listening to that. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing when you're doing that sear is just, take a spoon and keep scooping like your, I don't know, what would you call that? Just the butter just, and time yeah, stuff. Just whatever you're using for just your keep, fat. Just keep scooping that over the top of it and let yeah. it drip down through. Yeah. Especially with the back strap. Cause you know, it has that grainy structure mm-hmm. that really lets it run through. Yeah. I like yeah. that. So when you were talking about like kudos to the guys out there putting out the good content, like what, what kind of outdoor content are you consuming? Like who, who do you think does do a good job? Um, I mean, I love the hunting public, like their camaraderie and like the way that they all work together. I, I just think they're a good, like a good group of guys. Um, and quick plug here. I actually have six shirts coming out with them, um, that I got to work on. Uh, I, I don't know when they're coming out, but they should be coming out this season. So that was one of my most exciting projects. Yeah, today. That's, that's awesome. Um, congrats but, on that, man. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they're doing really well. And then, like, like I, like I think Mark Kenyon, like, and, uh, like, Tony Peterson that you had on, like, a, a few episodes ago, like, just, just these guys that are just so thought through. And I think this is why I got away from hunting was I was watching so many people that were showing hunting as this thing that you could just go out and shoot an animal and for – People who were hunters, I think it was a little discouraging. And then people that weren't hunters, I think it simplified it down into this, like, just killing aspect all the time. That is what everybody thinks that does not hunt. Yeah. Everybody I've ran into, like, some of your friends from the city and stuff. Yeah. They think we're people who just run out in the woods and shoot everything and stuff. Murderers. Like, ah, like, that's so bad for us. I'll I'll still go to, like, things where people are at, and I'll tell people, oh, I was out hunting this morning, and, like, 
someone will like whisper to their wife, Hey, make sure you don't like mention this like topic around this person. Cause they just classify me into this like yeah. group of people. And it, I, I like just those things. And then, yeah. So people just, just this very thought through patient, loving nature, like approach, like is what I look for in people who, you know, are putting good stuff out there. Um, you know, meat eater was what kind of got me back into this. And from there, it's just kind of blown the doors wide open. And they actually, I mean, I think they opened a lot of doors for other people with similar mindsets that were like, Hey, you can't find this anywhere. Right. Um, yeah, no, I, I think there's, and, and I, this is why I wanted to, you know, more of a graphic design business into the space because I felt that shift happening and, you know, my design style is, you know, it, it's a little bit of a different approach to the industry. I, I always try to have hints of like that 50s, 60s, 70 nostalgia to it, but then I try to bring like my own mix into it. Um, and yeah, I, I just think there's a new breed of hunting coming out and it's, it's super exciting. I'm with you on that, man. I, I really do. And I, I mean, my one, just with my four years of, of doing this and trying to find my place in the world with it is, you know, you're going to have those times where, like you said, you're trying to figure it out and you might be trying to figure it out still three, three years from now, but man, as long as you're doing something that makes you happy and just, just roll with it, man. And I know it becomes tough, but like, like we said, and like what you guys said too, Andrew, with, you know, realizing that it it's, takes time, right? Like it's not an overnight thing. And, uh, you know, and I always laugh because, and think about people that, especially early on, like when Western hunting kicks off and you see these like enormous mule deer being killed and all that stuff and hundreds of people like it and you know like whatever but it's like well what ends up happening after a week later like no one gives a shit right like like the things that people care about is like are you put are you a good person right like do you care about what you're putting out there and that's you know i i want to just say you know as a as a plug for for the people that have reached out to me individually with saying like, Hey man, like relatable content. Like I work full time. I just love this. And I love your drive. Like that means the freaking world to me because you know, with all that stuff, I'm still trying to be the best husband and dad that I can be. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like if my daughter gets sick tomorrow or whatever, I got to take her to the doctor. Like that's real life, right? Like that means more to me than going chasing a, a whatever inch buck. Um, so I don't know, like I'm with you, man. Like just enjoy it. And that's, and when you could see that it's meaningful and it really means a lot to you, uh, people really gravitate towards that stuff. It's just, you continue to do what you're doing, you'll find it. And, and I'm, I'm thrilled with, uh, what you guys really are about. Uh, and you know, Doug, you're a diehard Eagles fan. So you're number one in my books. So yeah. <laughs> right, open. Hey, five and oh, um, I know I'm, I know, I know. Don't jinx. I'm not going to wood right now. <laughs> I know, but man, I, I, I'm excited to see what you guys really do have in store and, and I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm ecstatic to, to see what you guys, uh, really come up with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, yeah, no, it means the world to us and to sit down with, you know, people with 
different perspectives and similar perspectives, like just getting to have conversations like this is like what it's all about and what it comes down to. Like, this is like our favorite part of our hunting camps. It's our favorite part. I mean, Andrew, you know, when he gets people dropping off, he gets to talk with people like this. I get business meetings and this is how my, <laughs> I, I have 20 minutes of this before we even talk about the designs. Yep. Um, you know, it's, it, it, every part of this is like everything to us. So, um, no, it's been, uh, it's been a fun ride. I, I mean, I, I honestly, I wake up, I can't believe the two of us are doing this yeah. the way that we are. Um, yeah, kind of feels like Christmas morning every day. If, if you can wake up and look at it in the right way. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, where could people, uh, find you, follow along and hit you up with, with some inquiries and, and to the taxidermy, what, what, where can people get a hold of you with all of that? So I'm on Instagram. Uh, I also have a Facebook page, which doesn't get too much. Nah, uh, it never does anymore. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, mostly just Instagram. Which I, I do have a website too. Um, my website's eagletaxidermy.com and my Instagram is also eagletaxidermy. Um, and that's spelled H-U-E-G-E-L. So Nice. Yeah. It's still going to, they'll still mess it up. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And then my stuff, I'm mostly on Instagram at Eagle Design Co. Um, and then, I do have a TikTok that I've been trying to figure out how to get going. Um, that's kind of like my second phase. Um, that's also Hego Design Co. And then my website, um, you can check out my portfolio and all the past stuff that I've worked on there. And that is hegodesignco.com. That sounds very uh, repetitive after you say all those <laughs> names. But at least that's the beauty of having our last name is that no one else has it. You can, everything lines up and right? spells out exactly as you needed to as so. long as they can find it so. yeah <laughs> no nah, man i appreciate it well best of luck to you guys i'm excited to see what else you have cooking up and uh no pun intended with that so i'm 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 pumped for you guys and i appreciate your time i'm looking forward to seeing your success and doug i can't wait to see that that text uh, when you knock down your first uh buck here in pa oh. and uh i'm 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 gonna be just as thrilled as as your brother man because it's it's awesome it's a it's a journey and a feeling that shit i wish we could have every single day it does feel like christmas waking up and, and doing what you're doing but you want to talk about really feeling like christmas that's that's that moment yeah hey, I, i'll feel it when i get there I, <laughs> I have no clue what you're talking about but i'm ready for it uh, that's awesome man well thanks again everybody for tuning in this week please go follow andrew and doug we'll see you next week everybody antler up Thanks for listening to this episode of the Antler Up podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Please go check us out on our Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Go Wild and at antlerupoutdoors.com. If you enjoyed this episode, go leave a review and subscribe for next week's episode. Until then, Antler Up.